Hi, this is Father Don Planty, pastor of St. Charles Borough Mayo Catholic Church in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome to the St. Charles Church Talks podcast. As I mentioned, I, the topic is living a new life. What do I mean? Well, I don't mean that I'm inviting you to look for a new job or a new profession, not as such. Nor am I directly inviting you to marry or to consider the priesthood or the religious life, although I hope if you're unmarried, you would pray to God to show you what plan he has for your life, whether it be marriage or the priesthood or religious life, because God has a plan. Now, living a new life is rooted in living in a relationship, a relationship of mutual love, with God. Living the new life is real, it's actual, and it's now. When did it begin? Well, it began at baptism. Now, of course, we were, most of us were infants, so we were totally unaware that at that moment of baptism, God was beginning a relationship with us, a deep, personal, intimate, and he intended ever-growing, ever-deepening relationship of love with each one of us. You know, we know baptism is the first of the seven sacraments. We know that it's necessary to receive baptism before receiving any of the others. Baptism is a rebirth, as you probably know, a rebirth in the spiritual order. Because we're born again at baptism, of water in the Holy Spirit. Those are not my words. Those are words of Jesus himself, who can't lie. And who said those words many, many centuries ago, of course, when he was among us, to someone called Nicodemus. He said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, no one can, can enter or see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And Nicodemus said to him, How could a person once grown old be born again? Surely he cannot re-enter his mother's womb and be born again, can he? Jesus said, really, really meant to say, come on, Nicodemus, come on. I'm not talking about that, but he didn't say it that way. He said, amen, amen, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. What the Lord will say is that we live we can live at two levels of reality. One is the human level, which is he meant by the, of the flesh, the human level. But we also live at the level of the spirit, a spiritual level, a level of faith deepening and growing. And he said to Nicodemus, does this amaze you? After all, he said, 
the wind blows where it wills, and you can hear the sound it makes, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. We live at a different relationship. And St. Paul said the same thing a little differently. In his letter to the Romans, he said, how can, he says, uh, how can we who died to sin still live? Or are you unaware that we were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were indeed buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we might live in newness of life. Yes, when we're baptized, we're lived in a new life. A new relationship began between each of us, the baptized and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a relationship, dear brothers and sisters, that. Christ intends to be personal, not just in the ideal world, but personal, loving, intimate, and by that I mean closeness, and ever-growing and ever-deepening until this life ends and eternal life begins. And hopefully, that eternal life will be the continuation and the fulfillment of this relationship. Because there is an eternal life, and as you'll hear me say a little bit later, the question is, where will we live it? And God intends that we live it with him. So this is an amazing thing. And I, see, I, I think so many of us so many of the baptized have no aware, awareness of what really happened at baptism. It, it's where we're just unaware that daily we are in a relationship with God that intends, he intends to be deepened, that he intends to be ever new because it's different from yesterday. Or if we've, if we've broken the, weakened the relationship or broken it, well, he still loves us. And therefore, he invites us, if it's been weakened, he can make it stronger. If it's been broken, he can restore it. And that's why the sacrament of penance is so important. Because it's that moment of, of meeting with the Lord Jesus in which he embraces us and strengthens us if we've sinned, you know, lightly, not terribly seriously. Or if we sin seriously and we've broken the relationship, he hasn't broken on his side, and so he restores it with great love. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing to think how much the Lord loves us. And, and I, I just feel that I just think that so many people in this world that it can be among us, that we're not aware. Wow. Imagine, God wants my love. <laughs>
imagine that. Me, my love, Lord? Yeah, your love. Well, it's not, I don't want to hear anything. I want to hear only that you're willing to give me your love. Yeah, I know it's weak. I know sometimes it's not really firm. I know sometimes you fail to love me. I know all that. But see, I just want it. I want your love, however frail, however limited, however stained. I want your love. Wow, wow. And we know that the one thing that keeps us from loving the Lord is when we turn aside to what we call sin. Because sin, as we know, is choosing my way, not God's way. It's walking away from God rather than walking toward him. Or I love this, this definition of sin that comes from an ancient uh, saint in the church, an ancient father of the church called Basil. Here's how he talked about what sin is. It's the misuse of powers given us by God for doing good. So it's the misuse of powers given us by God for doing good. A use contrary to God's commandments. And therefore the opposite virtue is using the same powers based on a good conscience in accordance with God's command. Think of that, the, the good things we have, the powers. For example, our tongue has the power to speak the truth. It has the power to speak good things. It has the power to make people happy. It has the power to draw people out of sadness. It, our tongue has a, lots of power for good. Oh, but we can misuse it, can't we? So instead of saying the truth, we lie. Instead of saying good words, we find bad words. Uh, words that are unworthy of us, really, but we use them. Well, think of the beautiful gift of human sexuality and its expression. It's, it's a power to communicate love, a love that always seeks the good of another, the total good of another. And the ultimate expression of that love is when we commit ourselves for life to someone, then it makes sense for us to give us, to give ourselves, each of us, body and soul, to the other. Because I can't give you a better gift than me. And I just can't give me away to everybody. It's not much of a gift then. But we can misuse that. But what I want to come back to, though, is that we have been given the gift of a relationship. And with God's help, we need to keep deepening it. As we go through childhood and adolescence and young adulthood and into middle life and into adult life, it's a love story. It's a love union that never stops. And we're intended to, to to taste this newness of life. Do you see how different life is when we view it, when we live it, through the prism of knowing that every day we are in union, in a deepening relationship with our God. And that's why every morning we, we make the morning offering. We offer the whole day to him. 
and we ask Mary to help us. And that's why at night we, we tell God we're sorry for the good for the bad things we could have well things we could have done better, and thank him for the good things we did do. And again ask Mary to help us tomorrow. It's why every day we try to take a little bit of time to be with the Lord, to have this 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 dialogue of love, the dialogue of the heart with him in our home or here before Jesus in the tabernacle. It's why if we can make the time to pray our Lady's Rosary, it's why we have prayer before and after meals. It's why we go to Holy Mass at least Sundays, sometimes during the week, but that's not always possible. Now, I don't mean that when we have this relationship of love with the Lord every day, growing in it and deepening it, that it's just a walk through the daisies. No, some days can be very difficult. Some days we don't feel that loving relationship. But feelings are very poor barometers of reality. Never trust feelings. They come and go, and they change. Our relationship with Jesus is a decision. It's an act of the will to love him who loves us. And he thirsts for our love. We need time and effort to make the relationship deepen. It's the same thing as we have with friendship. If you have an authentic friend in your life, it, took, it happened because you worked at it. And if you're married, or if someday you will be married, you will understand that <laughs> it's just no walk through the daisies either. You have to work at it. You have to develop it and strengthen it. But oh, it can be such a wonderful life. It really can be so wonderful. Living in this personal, deeply intimate relationship with the Lord. No, and it's not just reserved for certain people. The Lord loves each of us from baptism on in a new way, and he wants each one of us to be deeply in love with him. And this, this personal relationship, to put it a little differently, is rooted in and revolves around the two-fold commandment of love. You know, God, once somebody asked Jesus, you know, what are the two, what's the great commandment? And the Lord said, love the Lord your God with all your being and love one another, your neighbor as yourself. So the newness in our relationship is, first of all, as I just mentioned, it's being in love with Jesus, a relationship with the Lord that takes place, as I say, through prayer, which is a, a dialogue of hearts, whether at home or, or, or in the church. It, it, it's, it's the way we show love for God is through our worship, for our liturgical prayer. Every sacrament is an act of liturgical prayer, and especially penance, which is the divine embrace of forgiveness, and the Holy Eucharist. You know, folks, I, I just have to tell you, I grow in daily amazement that Jesus found a way to stay among us. <laughs> he did return to heaven, but he found a way to stay among us, imagine. Because, it was, because by taking bread and wine with his divine power, the substance of bread and the substance of wine are completely changed into his real presence. 
You know, someone could say, well, I, I want to go find a miracle. I hear there's a miracle taking place in, you know, over there in the mountain in Spain. I got to go see that. And I'd say, oh, well, how wonderful. But you see, there's a miracle takes place at every mass. You have to go to Spain. Or if someone said, well, if only the Lord would come, you know, I, I, I'd travel thousands of miles to see him. You would? Well, how about coming to church? There he is. He's really there. Oh, I know, you can't see him, we see one another. What's that bread? It's the real presence of Jesus. Wow, wow. And more than that, the community makes his home with me. Two persons become one. Think of that. That's a spiritual oneness. He enters into each of us. So he and each of us become one. Two persons become one in communion. Wow. Oh. How much he loves us. I mean, I'm just amazed. So the newness in our relationship is to know how much we're loved by him. But then it's also a newness that we love our neighbor as ourself. Did you ever realize that? As ourself? Which means we need to have an authentic love for ourselves. Oh, not selfishness. No. Not me first and me the center. But rather, I made in God's image, each of us made in God's image, every human being. And then because of baptism, we were remade further into the image of Jesus. Well, that's why we should respect ourselves. We're... We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. The body is the outward form of the human person, and inwardly lives God. So that's why we need to respect ourselves. That is to treat ourselves as well as others with respect. So that's why we have moderation of food and drink and exercise. That gives us the way we treat this self made in God's image and recreated into Christ's image. And then there's the, the newness is not only in, in loving God and he loving us, in loving ourselves because we're made in his image, taking care of ourselves with respect, but then loving the other person, the neighbor. And I love the way Jesus described the neighbor. Neighbor is anyone in need, near us or far away from us. Anyone in need is our neighbor. And there's a newness with that, too. And I don't know if you heard, remember on Sunday, Jesus said to the apostles and to us, I give you a new commandment, new, part of this new life we have. Love one another. Well, why is it new? Because after all, if you go to the Old Testament, there are a number of phrases that say, love your neighbor. And in Eastern religions, there's something about loving your neighbor. So what is it that makes this new? What is it that makes this new? Ah, it's when Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you also should love one another. Ah, the as shows us what's new. Jesus is saying, Love one another the way I love you, the way I have loved you. 
love one another like I have shown you. And where does Jesus show us his love? On the cross. Think of it. How much do I love you? This much, he says. Wow. He loves us completely. He loves us totally. He gave his life for us. And that's why, you know, when I look at the crucifix and I think, you know, Lord, on the one hand, I'm not worthy to be, I mean, you know, I'm not worthy to go to heaven, but, but if that's how much you, you, you suffered for me to get to heaven, to live eternally with God, how can I say no? Isn't that a worse sin of ingratitude to say no to you? Suffered so much for me. Oh, how much he loves us. <coughs> and so we, 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 we need to love others the same way. It doesn't mean giving our life for everybody, for everyone, in that sense of dying, although sometimes that's, that, that has to be. But we give our life to people. We give away our life by the way we help them by the way we support and sustain them and forgive them. See, the love Jesus is talking about is we call agape love. And agape love is, <coughs> is distinguished this way. It's a love that desires the total good of the other. The total good. And I would say including then one, the salvation of the other. That's how we should love people. Agape doesn't mean, or doesn't ask us to live necessarily that, uh, doesn't mean necessarily that we like certain people. We don't have to like them. We don't have to be close to those who may have, may have hurt us, or close to those who are very different. We don't have to, but we do hold them accountable, even though we love them. The, the love means that we seek that total good. So it means that we never desire someone else's harm. We never desire their being damned. And if we feel they've lived an evil life, leave that with God. He'll, he'll, he'll judge them according to what he knows, and he knows everything. We don't need to do that. But we need to, to pray that that person could be saved. You see the difference? I don't, I don't have to necessarily like you. Oh, but I have to love you. I have to love you in the sense I don't want your harm. I don't wish you any harm. I don't wish you damnation. I wish good for you. That's love. And that's the love we have to show one another. And, and we can only do it if God gives us the love to love others. We can't do it on our own, but we can do it with the Lord's help. And in prayer, we get that, that transformation so we can love others the way he wants us to, especially at Holy Mass. That's one of the reasons why we go to Mass is that, that we're helpless without the Lord. I, I say to my, I say, I can say honestly to you, uh, it's hard enough to be good with his help. <laughs> I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have his help. I'd certainly be miserable. But with his help, we can do many wonderful things. We can love Jesus the way he wants us to with his transformation of our love. Wow.
And, and you know, if you have an authentic friend, it means that you always are seeking his or her good. You would always want that. It's, it's all the more true in marriage. A husband and a wife love each other to, to further the good of the other, to give oneself for the other. <laughs> to, to, it's often a sacrificial love. But there's something about sacrificial love that while it's difficult, it makes one joy-filled. It's, it's, a, it's a paradox. And where married people find their transformation is again in the Eucharist. It takes three to get married. Husband, wife, and Jesus, yes. This, easy, this type of love is not easy. Don't let me, no, I don't want to fool you. But it's actual, it's possible. Now, now, we are to live this new life here so that someday we can go on to live the new life with God forever. Because that's God's will. God wills for us to be with him forever. And he made it possible because he sent Jesus to save us. And that means he sent Jesus to remove the things that would keep us from being with him forever. And those are the things we, we call the, the effects of original sin, the sin of the first parents. We receive those effects like a spiritual DNA, the same way our human DNA gives us the good things of ancestry and the bad things. And the things that would keep us from being with God forever are, first of all, evil. And evil is real in the person of the devil. Don't be fooled, he's real. Evil comes the way we could also inflict evil on one another because of the atrocities in Ukraine. Another effect of original sin is that we're prone to sin. We're, 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 we're more easily attracted by sin. And we sin, every one of us. And then there's suffering of different kinds. And then there's pain that's physical or emotional. And then there's illness and sometimes it's terminal. And then there's human death. Jesus came to break the permanent grip of all those effects so that we would be able to be with God forever. Oh, we'll experience some of these evil things, some of these effects. But they won't win because Jesus has already won. And it's in his victory that we share. And what are we going to see? Well, we don't know what eternal life is going to be, but the way it's described by the book of Revelation is that it's a new heaven and a new earth. The old order has gone away. The sea, which is the symbol of evil and death, is no more. No more weeping, no more crying, no more tears, no more death. The fullness of life, it's impossible to, to imagine it, but it's going to be great. And that's the newness forever that God wants for us. So I conclude by saying, you and I are being, being, have been rooted in a real relationship with the Lord Jesus that makes life every day new in the sense that it's lived with love for God and for one another and for respect for ourselves. 
Not every day is going to be a walk through the daisies, but no matter where, darkness or light, he is with us. He will ever abandon us. We can abandon him, but he won't abandon us. He's always waiting to help us back. He gives us the chance to our last moment. Oh, my friends, see how blessed we are. It, it's not we're better than anybody else. We're just so privileged to have been given a newness in life with the Lord. Wow. Wow. The only thing we can say is, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Help me to live with you. Help me to live a new life, in newness of life, with you here, limited as it may be. And then one day, let that newness burst into fullness. And then, a newness of life with God forever and all the holy people with him. Because remember, at the end of the book of Revelation, there's God who says, Behold, I make all things new. And he who says that is love himself. Live with, do, live with hope in newness of life. Amen. Thanks for joining us today, and please remember to subscribe, and if you enjoyed our show, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. May God bless you.